You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining me this week. My name is Matt Curtis. I'm your host. I am really excited to keep talking about clarity because I have found that this is, I don't know if it's the primary problem in the creative space, but it's definitely one of those things where if you've led a creative team or even been a creative on a staff, you will have felt the need for more clarity. And there's a lot of different ways that we can get clarity. And we're going to talk about those over the next couple weeks, kind of these, these particular focuses or emphases on clarity. This week, I'm really talking to the executive leader. So you're talking executive pastor, assistant, you know, assistant pastor, maybe senior pastor, but I'm talking to the people that shape the values of the organization. So depending on your context, maybe it's a board, maybe it's a group of people, uh, maybe it's your senior leadership staff, but I, I want to make sure that this is very clear. Uh, it's really easy for us to create abstract values. So we're talking values today. And I, I have found that when our values are too abstract, they actually create confusion rather than clarity. And so that can look one of two ways. They can be so specific that there's no possible room for flexibility or, or decision-making. It's just sort of like this regimented life that everyone's living. That's not good. Or, and this is, this is probably more common, or they're so vague that they don't actually really say anything when it comes to making a decision. So as an example, one, one church that I served at, they had a value that was helpful. Okay. So if I'm trying to make a decision on buying a product, is it, is it help helpful? What does helpful mean? There isn't a lot of actually depth around the term helpful. So I could say, yeah, this $50,000 camera is helpful for me. It's helpful for me to make better stuff. It's going to look better. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but, but what if the value is actually that you need to turn things around quickly? Well, now the expensive equipment that produces uncompressed video and takes four times as long for your computer to input import, that's a problem. You've now gone against the value of speed in favor of the value of quality but the argument was all driven through this idea of helpful. So ironically, helpful wasn't helpful as a, as a decision-making value. So I want to talk a little bit about the importance of making values, creating values that are actually uh, able to influence the decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day basis. This is relatively new to me, and I want you to hear that because I've worked at organizations that have had values over the years. And I will be honest with you, there were not many values that I felt actually helped me make day-to-day -day decisions. So that seems like a problem to me, and that's why I even wanted to have this episode. Uh, I'm not throwing all of your values under the bus. I'm asking you to reevaluate them in light of the ability to make decisions. So what's going to happen is your creative team is going to be presented with a problem. And as, as the leader of that team, you're going to have to give away as many decisions as possible to them in order to survive. There are just too many decisions uh, in the creative space for, for you to be the single pass-through. In a lot of cases, if, especially if you're a non-creative, you may feel like you can't even speak into those things effectively. That may be true, and so you're going to have to empower them through a set of thinking values that will help enable them to make decisions in a way that align with the mission of the church and the values of the church. 
So I'm going to read you the values that I have, and I want to talk a little bit about how they're helpful for me when it comes to making a decision. So the first one here is leave a wake of restoration. So what that means for me, and this is the way that it helps me make decisions. Okay, here's an issue in the church. I'm going to use a real issue. I have noticed a trend that churches are replacing calm people, communications people, uh, designers, video people, uh, communicators, journalists, you know, journalism majors, communications majors, like all of these people that have training in some area of communications. They're replacing those people with pastors that have no training in communications. All right. So I could go one of two ways with my, with my elevation of that, that observation. I can say, hey, I've noticed that, that leaders in churches are increasingly making bad decisions. They're going to increase the amount of blind spots that they have. Okay, so that's one way to say that, right? I could say, I don't agree with this decision. I think it's, I think it's dumb. I could say that. But my values say, leave a wake of restoration. So if that's a decision that's being made, I don't want people to feel like they're failures because they've, maybe they're in an organization. Maybe you, you're listening. And you may be thinking, oh man, we just did that. Okay, well then I need to figure out a way to say that that leaves a wake of restoration. And so this is, this is actually kind of what I believe about it too. So these, help, these, are, these are an outpouring of what I actually believe. So the trend is still the case. I've noticed that there are a lot of churches that are, that are instead of rehiring creatives, they're putting pastoral ministry people in the role of the creative space. And so it's, it's creating tension. And the reason it's creating tension is because creatives and non-creatives are different. And so you can solve this problem still, but you need to go about it a different way. So let's talk about what it looks like to lead a creative team as a non-creative leader. All right. That's a totally different way to approach the problem. Still says the real, you know, kind of the reality of things, but it's done in a way that leaves a wake of restoration. It's encouraging. It's more hopeful. It lets people know that there is a way for us, for you, for the church to be successful, to be um, impactful. And that's better, you know, from my vantage point, that's what I want. Now, you're, you're going to recognize already after value one, there, there are a lot of people who do not operate with their goal of being a wake of restoration. That's not what they, that's not what they desire. They actually desire tension. They desire animosity. They desire, um, you know, friction because in a lot of ways that sells, you know, that gets attention. And so if that's where you're at, that's okay too, but you need to have a definition of values that defa- that, that makes that clear. So there was a season of ministry for me where we were willing to be abrasive as a church. And I'm telling you, it, I mean, it got attention, you know, the, the other churches in the area were running radio ads talking about how bad we were. <laughs> so, I mean, it got people talking and, and for me personally, it was, it was tension filled, you know, I was like, I don't, this is, I feel like this is too far, but as an organization, we valued it. We were okay with it. And so what that did for me is that said, this is what we value. And so then I can make a decision that aligns with the values. And it freed me up to make decisions, even decisions that would normally be out of character for me personally. I knew this was where the church was willing to go and wanted to go because it was a value. So that's where you really empower your team to be able to make effective on mission decisions when you have actionable values, not pie in the sky, not that sounds really neat, 
but I am faced with a crossroads decision. What do I do? That's where you make the decision. The next value, help generously. Uh, Originally, this was listed as uh, something like help first, bill second. The idea for me is that I don't want a financial transaction to be the barrier between me and helping somebody. I, I don't want that to be the prerequisite. So I decided that this is where it needs to land, help generously, and what that looks like. Somebody asked a question on Facebook, and they said, hey, I'm having a challenge here. I'm having an issue with this, or this is the situation. And so I go out of my way to be helpful. I can't help everyone like in, in this way. I, you know, I can't spend all of my time on Facebook waiting for that thing to pop up. But with one person in particular, I said, hey, this is a complicated situation. Here's my general thoughts, but I feel like there's more details that would be helpful to discuss. Do you have time to hop on a call? And so we hopped on a call and I was able to talk her through some of the complexities of the situation that she was navigating. And it was a good, I mean, I felt good because I was on brand. I was on mission. You know what I mean? I was in alignment with my values. I was helping generously. And so I actually, you know, kind of the way that the decision-making functions for me, I actually block out time in my schedule every week or two where I can be available to invest in helping people. Outside of, outside of my clients, obviously I want to be helpful to my clients, but outside of the churches that I'm currently serving, this is just sort of the capital C church. How can I be helpful and how can I help generously? The next value that I have listed is navigate complexity lightheartedly. I know that the type of church that I'm probably going to end up serving most is the one where the team is either has imploded or or should implode. I mean, frankly, there's a level of unhealth and toxicity that exists in the creative team that, that needs to get dealt with. In some cases it's on the back end. It's the whole team has left and now we're kind of dealing with, with the remnants or it's, you know, a key stakeholder has left and now we have to kind of figure out how do we limp along until we can rebuild an effective and a, and a healthy team. Uh, In some cases it's sort of an interim thing where it's like, look, we got a, a, a mini crisis that's come up Can you help stabilize us while we build? A lot of times I find that teams are built, teams are rebuilt too quickly. And the reason they're rebuilt too quickly is because the needs continue to exist and we have to keep moving forward in ministry and we can't just stop. Well, me coming in allows the team functionally to kind of hit pause and say, we're going to wait. We're going to let me, you know, with Lunchtime Heroes, provide the stability during this season of uncertainty so that we can find the right person to fill the role or, you know, rebuild the team however we feel is best. But, but there's a lot of moving parts in that kind of stuff. And because there's human beings involved that are, that are in, in a lot of cases wounded, you know, whether they be overworked, wounded, or wounded because they feel burned or because they feel like leadership's not listening, whatever the problem is. There, there is a level of complexity that exists that lightheartedness is going to be really important because that also contributes to leaving a wake of restoration. So I could walk in, I could say, look, guys, I'm, I'm the expert. I've been through this before. Like, there's no problem that you can throw to me that I've not seen before. So let's just get it figured out, okay? Let's do it. You need to be doing these things. Got it? Great. But that's not, that's not helpful, you know? A, a part of where what health looks like, health looks like, taking the time to instruct so that unhealth doesn't creep back in again. Think about a doctor. Hey, uh, you're fat. You need to lose weight. Whoa. All right. That's not helpful. I mean, it's a, maybe it's a true statement, 
but that's not the best bedside manner. And so instead, you walk in and the doctor says, okay, well, talk to me about your diet. Talk to me about your habits. Um, do you feel like you know, losing weight would be a helpful option for you? you know, is it something you feel like you can take on? Uh, is there a way that we can you know, figure out how to do it? And, and let's talk about what that looks like. There's a, there's a lightheartedness towards dealing with a real problem that changes even the way that you learn how to approach it. And so now instead of this being this sort of hard-lined emotional tension, it can be softer than that. And now the, the person in the conversation can embrace it and take some of those principles. And so for me, that's a real, that's a real priority. I wanna, I wanna elevate the positives and I wanna elevate the lighthearted side of what we're wor working through because there's a lot of the other. <laughs> there's a lot of heavy stuff. And so that's, that's a value that's important to me. And so that, that's going to govern every single thing that I talk about. And so recently I presented at a conference talking about how to find your voice as a creative through your heart. And I shared our story. I probably should do this as one of the episodes here. But um, I just shared the story that, of, of what we had been through in terms of uh, a pretty complex situation. And I shared it, hopefully, in a way that was lighthearted. It, it was a hard season for us. But there were some funny things that came out of it. And so it's like, all right, well, let's elevate those things. You know, let's let's let people hear the story, the real story, the raw story, but hear it in a way that's not this emotional weight. And so that's a priority. Navigate complexity lightheartedly. And what it means is that if I have a challenging situation in front of me, I know how I'm going to respond. I know the the way that I'm going to speak to that challenge. Uh, the fourth value here, manage reality. Man, this one is this one goes back for me. I struggled a lot as a leader early in my management career, uh, just in terms of trying to force systems into an organization that did not want the systems that I was trying to force. And so I was creating uh, a friction that didn't need to be there. And what I realized was I need to manage reality, not just implement an idyllic system. And so it meant that instead of asking for six weeks time notice, I was asking for, you know, a week or a week and a half notice on projects. And what it did is it completely changed the temperament of the team, the, the, the culture of the team, but also the way that we were being approached by ministry leaders. It was a pretty remarkable shift. And it only came because I decided manage reality rather than like I read this in a book somewhere. This is the right answer. We should do that instead. I think sometimes we get caught up in that as leaders and as creatives where we get so obsessed with defending what we think is the right answer that we, that we miss that maybe the right answer doesn't fit our context. Maybe it's not the right thing for, for this. What is real? What's the reality that we're living in? And, and those, I think, are really common challenges that we face as leaders. And I think that's something that the, ch the church actually collectively in, in America, at least, is wrestling with. We're trying to look back to the things that worked pre-pandemic. It's like, that's not where we're at. Manage reality. You need to manage what is real today, and then I think you'll find more ministry success. So that's a value. And what that means for me personally and, and in the business is when I'm trying to make a decision, it needs to be a reflection of like what's real. So this is maybe a silly example, but uh, equipment is a great example of that. Um, there's this tendency to think that you bought a really nice camera 10 years ago and it's still a really nice camera. The reality is it is super antiquated now and it may not even do the things that you need it to do. And so the reality is that there's a pace that, that keeps changing with a lot of this equipment 
And it also means that some of the equipment that you get isn't actually going to be as, it's not going to look the same. Times have changed. Manage reality. Let go of the, of the preconceived notions that you have about what is good and what isn't good in terms of equipment and accept the fact that things are changing. Our phones are such a good example of that. There are some advantages that a lens will give you and things like that. I won't get into those details, but man, you can do some amazing stuff with just your phone. So just some things to consider when it comes to managing reality. And then the last one, make the unknown known. This one's very real to me right now because uh, I'm in the process of writing a book. So my goal with the book is to help non-creative leaders learn ways to lead creative teams more effectively. So you know by now, I come from a creative background. And so my tendency is to continue to speak to the creative. The, the, the creative leader in me keeps coming out where I want to have a team to lead and you know that's who I'm speaking to. What's fascinating though is that as I look at this list, make the unknown known. Creatives know their problems. Creatives know the creative space. They're in it. They, they live it. They breathe it. They are the, the ones crafting what a creative space means. It's the non-creative who needs to make the unknown known or needs that to be you know, made known for them. And so as I'm writing this book, I, so I wrote you know, this, this big, it wasn't even a full first draft, but I wrote a bunch of major concepts down and, and really was kind of attacking it hard. And I, I look back over what I wrote and it was clear that there was a fork in the road for me and I wasn't willing to take it. And so it actually became not helpful to both parties. <laughs> and so the next round for me is going to be major revisions and it's going to be revisions to the degree of I'm not talking to the creative in this piece. I'm talking to the non-creative leader. I have to be clear with that. And that's what my values help me do because otherwise I'm writing the wrong book down the road. I may write a book that helps creatives I actually have a, like a creative devotional that's on my roadmap as well, but that's going to be in a different category. That's going to be probably more about managed reality. Um, it might drift into help generously. Um, there's probably going to be lightheartedness in it. So like, again, I'm looking at my values and it's informing decisions for me. And so this last one here, make the unknown known, this is critical for me to write this book successfully. If I don't make the unknown known, then the book is not going to be a success in, in terms of my values. So those are the ways that, that values can be very helpful for you in a very tangible way. So let's apply some of these things to this idea of the value that says helpful. Okay. I mean, is a book helpful? I mean, yeah. I mean, it'd be helpful to creatives too, though. And that's the problem. So now the, the, the value is actually undeciding things for me. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, well, I think I should write towards the non-creative leader. That would be helpful. That's true. It would be. You know what else would be helpful? You know what else would be helpful? And so then all of a sudden, the helpful, helpful, helpful becomes a distraction. It becomes a creator of forks in the road. So ultimately, your values need to behave this way. Your values need to make the decision which fork you're taking. That's what your values need to do. If your values are creating forks in the road, they're not, they're not helping you. They're hurting you. They are, um, they are generalizing everything that you do. You want your value to say, no, don't go that way. Go this way. That's what an effective decision-making capable value does. So as you're crafting values for your team, ask it in that way. Think about it in that way. Does this value help us make a decision in a way that 
removes options rather than adds options because clarity takes you to focus. Focus is not broad. Focus is very, very narrow. That's what you're trying to get to. And that's what you're trying to empower your team with. You're trying to empower your team with the ability to make very focused decisions quickly without having to bring the whole rest of the organization in. Your communication will become dramatically more effective the more focused it is. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.